Hey traders, welcome to episode two of the Duomo Trading Podcast. I'm Nicholas Puri. I guess you can kind of call it episode one really because the first episode we did of this podcast was ripped from one of our videos anyway. So this is the first original episode. It is going to be about something which we've discussed in a video that we launched today on YouTube as well. So you might be familiar with the subject, but I just, you know, at this point in time with the podcast, I want to bring you a bit of everything, some things from the videos, some new lessons, some discussions about the markets. We'll get other people onto the podcast as well, discuss economic things we'll kind of go with the flow for a while until I start to realize what's working what you guys want and how you talk about trading in a podcast because of course the thing about trading is that it's all visual which means that when it comes to the talky bit it can sometimes be a bit difficult if you're not referring to something and being able to see the chart but anyway today what I want to talk about is certainty so over the next few lessons both on YouTube and on the podcast I want to cover some of the sort of simple concepts that people seem to get wrong and it doesn't mean that you know they're really super complex and you have to be a genius to understand them like I said before they are quite simple but from our live event I really started to pick up on certain trends amongst you guys things that people maybe understand in the wrong way or they do understand them but they're applying them wrong or even not applying them at all in the market and one of them is certainty so you know, how certain do you think your trading is? When you open a trade, do you feel like it's very certain? Like that trade's definitely going to be a winner? Is it above 50%? Do you even know your success rate? How do you feel about your trading? Because I hope by the end of this podcast, at least, you'll start to feel maybe not that your trades are more certain, but the opposite of that. So the other side of the coin, that they may be less uncertain. Because this is really what my focus is with my trading. And this is how I like to teach people. This is a big focus at our live event. So a lot of traders approach their system or even their trading overall in what I'd say is the wrong way. So they're constantly adding things to it, adding indicators. Oh, let's add like five moving averages, a stochastic, let's add Bollinger Bands, everything that we can to try and increase the number of opportunities that we can get. It's like the more opportunities they can find from these indicators, the more certain their trading is. And they feel the uncertainty on those days where they don't get the opportunities. And I think that's kind of like the wrong way of going about it. Maybe that's a bit of an exaggerated example, but I do really see this kind of thing with traders. You see, this is not the approach we take. Like what we do is kind of the opposite. It's the opposite, but the same at the same time, if that makes sense. Let me explain what I mean. So in some ways it has the same outcome, but what we're doing is reducing uncertainty. So if your aim is to increase certainty, then reducing uncertainty is essentially going to be doing the same thing because as you reduce uncertainty, inevitably the level of certainty is increasing. It's two sides of the same coin, like I said before. But the problem, that, well, not the problem, the difference is that when you're looking to reduce certainty rather than increase certainty, then you take a different process. Your mind, you think about things in different ways and the results, the outcomes of this are very different as well. And this is very, very important for trading. So effectively, with the markets, we only have a few bits of information, really. We have the price data, we have how quickly and how far it moves, which we can tell from the sort of period of time between one price and another. Sometimes it gaps up, sometimes it'll move smoothly through the prices. But that's the information we have about price. And then we also have information about volume. 
Now, if you're trading equities, of course, you've got a lot more information about volume because it's a centralized market, the same with bonds. But with Forex, which I know most of our listeners or viewers, most of them uh, get involved in trade with is Forex. With Forex, then it's volume's not so dependable because it's a decentralized market. The volume reading is not so accurate. So you've got price as one of your bits of information that you can use. And you've got volume to a certain extent, depending on how you're using it. So since we have such little information to actually base our trades on, we have to be creative about how we get those golden opportunities. So like I talk about in the video on YouTube, I kind of see this like panning for gold. Now, it was really funny at the live event that I, I took this an analogy for the first time and it became very obvious that I've never panned for gold before because a lot of the stuff I was saying was complete rubbish. But bear with me with this. And this is actually the second time I've used this analogy in trading. There was a video over a year ago where I, I talked about panning for gold in a different context. So there must be something subconsciously that I really like about panning for gold. Maybe I need to go and try it someday if I have the patience for it, which I doubt. Although my patience gets better and better every year that I'm trading more and more. So like I said, with panning for gold, imagine that you take this pan and you're in a river or stream, wherever these things happen, like obviously I'm not an expert here, and you gather up a huge load of dirt and water. So within that dirt and that water, you know that there's possibly the chance that there's some pieces of gold, maybe some tiny pieces, but you see at the moment there there's potential that it's going to be there. There's an opportunity for there being gold, but in your pan, when you look down, it's mainly just dirt, isn't it? So what you've done effectively is find your opportunity. That's like in the market when you get your double confirmation, that's how we like to find our opportunities, double confirmation on a significant level with a type one or type two close. And that's your entry, right? That's the same as getting that big scoop, that pan of the, of the dirt, there's a potential opportunity there. However, if you just took that opportunity and then walked away with it, it would just be a pan full of dirt. Now, if we think of that in terms of our trading opportunity, it's basically a load of shit, okay? So now we need to just filter through it. We need to filter through, get rid of some of the dirt and start to improve the ratio that's left in the pan. So this is what happens, you start to tip some out, you're filtering it out, you're trying to improve the ratio of dirt to gold. So this is in our trading where I start to use things as a negative filter. Now I know that any filter is getting rid of stuff, but I really, I call it a negative filter to really get people to realize that it's not a positive indicator to say like, this is a double confirmation on your trading. And it's not necessarily something that you have to wait for, like waiting for all the stars to align, but it's a negative filter that if this thing, whatever it is that you're going to be using for this, is showing you that potentially it's uh, sort of against your double confirmation. It's something that's, um, you know, anti your trade opportunity. It's saying this is not maybe the best opportunity. It's not the opportunity you thought it was. Then if that's the filter, it's a negative filter. It's basically helping you to get rid of some of the, the bad opportunities. So these negative filters, they're not tools that are going to provide you with an opportunity. It's the opposite. They're actually going to remove the opportunities that maybe don't have a good ratio of gold. We're reducing the element of luck from our trading. We're reducing the uncertainty so that we're left with something that's potentially a lot more certain. Okay, I think this makes sense when you start to put it in perspective. So like, let's say for example that, I don't know, we're using an exponential moving average. The EMA, the 14 period EMA that we like to use. Let's say that we're using that as 
our negative filter in this situation. So this is like you're panning through, removing some of the dirt, maybe because the price is too close to the EMA or you know it's, it's not far enough away from it, whatever situation you're using it for, in that situation, it's not giving you an opportunity, but it's saying, okay, maybe the context of the market is not the most positive for what you need right now. So let's say that you're looking for a, a reversal, um, you know, away from the EMA, but it's too far on the other side, for example, or it's, you know, it's, it's too close to the EMA, but not close enough that it's reacting to it as a significant level. Then those situations, you might want to wait a little while. It might be an, a negative filter that you reduce your position size at that point. So it's like panning for the gold. It's trying to increase the ratio of gold, increase the opportunity, um, or sort of in increase the success of the opportunities that you're left with. Now, of course, there's going to be situations when you use the negative filters to reduce the number of opportunities that you're also going to get rid of some gold with that. So there's going to be times when you decide that I'm not going to enter this trade because my negative filters are saying to me that it's not a potential trade or that it's a, a you know, weakening my initial entry and maybe my double confirmation was not so strong to begin with. So when I have a couple of negative filters saying don't enter, um, as well as having a weak opportunity in the, like in the first place, then it's no entry full stop for me. And if that trade ends up being that it would have made you money, that could be frustrating. So you are going to be chucking out some good opportunities, as they say, chucking out the, the baby with the bathwater, but hopefully not too often. Like hopefully the situation that's left is that yes, you get rid of some good opportunities, but mostly you're getting rid of the bad opportunities, which means that what you're left with is fewer opportunities with a much better success ratio. So every time that you're doing this, you're removing the uncertainty as you remove the dirt, like triad of price action, the RSI uh, value chart, the EMAs, like these kind of things, especially the triad of price action, that's one of the best ones for this. These are limiting the amount of opportunities that you're going to take. So this is what we're going to be doing with our trading, is like you, you have your entry criteria, you have what you've built up as your system, but you just have these warning lights. It's like having a dashboard with your car. That is these little negative filters that come out. It's like warning you, okay, be careful, the engine's overheating. Yes, you can carry on driving, but the chance of breaking down is much higher when you start seeing these negative indicators. You don't want to ignore them. So what we can do with our, our trading is that, of course, you have a certain position size you can open based on certain trade setups. So certain combinations of um, signals like, you know, certain significant levels, certain um, reactions to those significant levels. And when you have the different combinations, it gives you different strengths and you can kind of assign a certain position size that you'd allow in those situations. For example, your position size going with the trend should be higher technically than your position size when you're going against the trend with a reversal. So all your negative filters are doing is then further reducing that position size or giving you the certainty to have that position size at a much higher price or a much higher amount. Because this is, one part of an overall equation. When you look at your PNL, it's not just about the number of trades, it's also about how good those trades were and how much was on the line for those trades. So for example, if you've got some trades where you're less certain, you don't want to be putting as much on the line. You're, as a result of that, not going to get as much return for those trades because your position size is lower, but you're reducing your risk overall in those situations. And when your negative filters are saying, okay, this may be a good opportunity combined with your your double confirmation, you can maybe increase the position size that you have and therefore increasing your overall PNL when you look at a group full of trades. So this is something really to, important to remember. 
is that when we come to trading, it doesn't matter about the number of opportunities we get, it's about how certain we are of those opportunities and therefore whether we can increase our position size or not. Over the long term, I'd much rather have fewer opportunities than having more opportunities where I'm losing a lot more of them, even if I'm still profitable at the end, because if I've got fewer opportunities with much higher certainty, my actual profit per trade is increasing and overall in the long term, I'm gonna be much more sustainable. Remember, this is all about sustainability, consistency, certainty, not risking money unnecessarily, not losing your money, protecting your capital. These are all the important things of what trading is all about. So I know it's a really simple concept. I know that it's kind of like teaching you the basics again, but it's just sometimes you need to reiterate these certain things to remind yourself about what angle to take your trading from. When you look at the market, how to perceive things. If you have situations where you've had a week without actually opening a trade because all these negative filters are saying don't go for them, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. You've got to be long-term focused rather than being about your short-term wants and needs. I know we all want to open trades in the short term, but it's about being long-term focused, focused on that goal of being consistent with your trading and maybe five, 10 years from now, having built up enough capital to do the things you want to do and not trying to rush to the finish line. Of course, it can happen sooner, but it's best to be focused on the long term. So guys, I think that will be it for episode two. There will be much more coming over here. If you like this one, then make sure that you leave a rating, share it with your friends and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're using. If it's not already available on the podcast platform that you usually use to listen to podcasts, then do let us know so we can put it on there and give us any feedback to let us know what direction you hope these podcasts go in. And I'll be back with something soon. Take care. See you soon. Hear you soon. Talk to you soon. What is it soon? Something soon. Bye. <laughs>